Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hi, and welcome to a very special primary election edition of Ohio Politics Explained. Today, instead of giving you the news of the week, we're going to explain what's up with four different primary races in less than 15 minutes. It's a big lift, so I've lured two co-hosts down to the studio with me, Haley B. Miller, who covers the U.S. Senate race, and Jesse Balmert, who is on the gubernatorial beat. Hey, guys. Hello. Happy almost primary day. Thanks for having us. And on a side note, I want to go on the record right now saying that the best part of these primaries coming to an end is the fact that I can stop saying the word gubernatorial at least for a couple of months. Okay. So our first topic is the race to replace retiring Senator Rob Portman. We've got three Democrats on the left and seven Republicans on the right and one big Trump endorsement that shook everything up last week. So, Haley, let's start with the biggest news in the race. Donald Trump endorsed J.D. Vance. He did. And it was an interesting plot twist because for months now, Vance's rivals have been criticizing his past comments on Trump. Vance back in 2016 called him noxious, difficult to stomach, said he basically signaled that he didn't think Trump was the right direction for the GOP. He has since said, while I changed my mind, Trump proved me wrong, but the internet is forever and people continue to bring that up. When Trump came out with the endorsement, you know, he said, I acknowledge that Vance said these things in the past. Um, He certainly is not the only one who said bad things about me once upon a time and then changed his (laughs) tune. So, you know, he's very supportive of Vance at this point. He, Donald Trump Jr. campaigned with Vance last week and Vance Yeah, appeared, even before the endorsement. Right. Well, yeah, they talked. They Trump Jr. was kind of gently signaling his support without a full endorsement until his dad jumped in. But there definitely was a relationship with there. And then over the weekend, Vance appeared at a rally with Trump himself, along with a slew of other Trump-backed candidates. So that's been a big curveball, and it was a huge blow to several of the other candidates who have wanted this endorsement just as much as anyone else except for Matt Dolan, who did not. Yeah, Dolan is the only candidate who didn't chase Donald Trump's endorsement. But then we've got like former treasurer Josh Mandel, Mike Gibbons, the Cleveland banker who got himself in hot water for saying the middle class should pay more in taxes, and Jane Timken, the only woman running in the primary. And she got Rob Portman's endorsement, but it sounds like Trump's might be more important. You were looking at some polls recently that seemed to say so. Yeah, so there was a poll that came out before the Trump endorsement that had Josh Mandel and J.D. Vance pretty tight. Um, Josh Mandel was still in the lead. But that poll also said that roughly 55% of voters believed that if Trump endorsed, that would make them more likely to support the candidate. So it couldn't end up shaking up what's been a really tight race so far. Mandel's been leading the polls sometimes, Gibbons has sometimes, but there really hasn't been a clear front runner. And even a couple, you know, a week out now, 
Vance probably has an edge, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who are frustrated with Trump's decision, you know, supporters of Trump who say, what are you doing? This guy said all this stuff about you. There are plenty of people who have been with you from the beginning. Timken, for example, campaigned a lot with him and uh, 2020 was, you know, a big... and in 2016, yeah. right? Like she she helped him win Ohio the first time. Right. And yeah, so she's always been a big supporter and big presence in the Trump world, but she made those comments about Anthony Gonzalez ah. that sort of sealed her fate with the former president. Yeah, she didn't say anything bad about Donald Trump, but she did say she understood why Anthony Gonzalez voted to impeach him. And apparently that was a no, no. Yep. So we'll see what happens. You know, at this point, it seems like based on the limited polling we have and just kind of what we're hearing from voters, it seems like the top three favorites at this point are Mandel, Gibbons, and Vance, but who really knows? (laughs) (laughs) On the Democratic side, it's a little bit different, though. We've got Tim Ryan. He's a congressman from Northeast Ohio who is courting the union vote and modeling himself after Ohio's only statewide elected Democrat, Sherrod Brown. And then his biggest challenger is probably Morgan Harper. She's a progressive political newcomer who's kind of in the vein of Ilhan Omar, AOC, if those names mean something to you. And then there's Tracy Johnson, who's kind of hanging out a Franklin County Democrat who's worked at the EPA and the Office of State Budget and Management. But this is pretty much Tim Ryan's election to lose. Absolutely. He's been raising a ton of money. In fact, just in the first quarter of this year, he brought in almost $4 million, I think, which is just insane for this point in the election. But he's going to need it if he's in the right. fall. And then, you know, he's gotten the support of a lot of statewide Democratic leaders, including Senator Sherrod Brown. And he's really um, he's running a campaign focused on the economy on workers, he's even borrowing some Republican talking points to an extent, you know, talking about um, bringing jobs back to the United States and... Oh, that infamous and, China ad. Right. And mm-hmm. being, you know, poised to compete with China, which um, there was an ad where he repeatedly said China and kind of cast China as the enemy of the United States. And there were some in the AAPI community who, you know, thought that was offensive and fueling uh, more anti-Asian rhetoric, but it is, you know, this this focus on jobs and the economy and that kind of thing is a tactic that Sherrod Brown has used. And it's a way to perhaps rope in some of the more moderate Democrats or people who are on the fence, maybe disenchanted with the GOP, um, as opposed to really hitting sort of the progressive wish list when it comes to Medicare for all, expanding the Supreme Court, which are both things that Morgan Harper supports. Yeah. So just to round it up, former President Trump wants you to vote for J.D. Vance. Portman says Jane Timken is the person to pick. And then on the Democratic side, Sherrod Brown is behind Tim Ryan. But I mean, obviously pick whoever your heart desires. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our second topic is the gubernatorial primary. But we've got four Republicans on the right and two Democrats on the left. So, Jesse, let's stick with the pattern from our first topic and talk about the Republicans first. This is Mike DeWine's race to lose. 
Correct. It usually is if you're the incumbent running That's uh, fair. for re-election. <laughs> but this race is more interesting than you might expect. He took a lot of heat from fellow conservatives when he closed businesses and schools and restaurants and even delayed voting polling locations in the 2020 election. And so there's a lot of anti-DeWine sentiment in the GOP right now. Uh, Lucky for Mike DeWine, he has three different challengers instead of maybe one particularly strong contender running against him. So the other candidates in this race are former U.S. Rep Jim Renacci, who ran unsuccessfully against Sherrod Brown in 2018. Uh, Joe Blystone, who is a kind of fascinating figure from the Canal Winchester area. He's known for his cowboy hats and Santa-like beard and just pretty um, far right opinions on various issues. And then you have State Rep Ron Hood, who's been a practical ghost in this race, but he entered uh, shortly before the filing deadline and has not been making a huge splash, but that's one more person to divide the vote against wine. Yeah. And just as a quick pitch, if you have no idea who Joe Blystone is, Jesse wrote a fantastic uh, profile of him a couple weeks ago. So totally recommend you check it out if you're not sure who he is. And I, I suspect there are some folks out there who maybe still don't know because he really hasn't had the money to cut ads. Yeah, really the two people spending money in this race are Mike DeWine and Jim Renacci. But Jim Renacci hasn't spent the considerable amount, I believe, like several million dollars that he has loaned his campaign. And this was a criticism that Republicans have had for him in the U.S. Senate race as well. So it'll be interesting in the final days whether he kind of opens up that that piggy bank or not. And, uh, and Mike DeWine, again, it'll be interesting whether what level of support he gets on election day. Because he doesn't need 50% to win. Yeah, so Ohio is a state where whoever wins the most votes wins. You don't need to hit a There's no runoff. There's, there's no, no, there's no <laughs> runoff. No, we're done. we're done on May 3rd. We're done on May 3rd. <laughs> so, so it'll be interesting because you do have those people who are upset about COVID, but then you've had people who've always been kind of skeptical of Mike DeWine uh, on his positions on firearms, for example. And on the Democratic side, we've got Nan v. Cran, the battle of the Democratic mayors. And speaking of those respective cities, Dayton and Cincinnati, John Cranley just cut his first attack ad where he kind of makes, you know, those cities the forefront of his reason why he should be governor. Everyone runs for their their next job based off their previous job. So it makes sense that Cranley, the former mayor of Cincinnati, and Whaley, the former mayor of Dayton, are talking about those cities in their pitch. John Cranley has made a focal point of his campaign, this Cincinnati comeback, the idea that Cincinnati was losing population and then over the past decade was able to gain some population, about 4.2%. In comparison, Dayton was really losing a lot of population uh, following the Great Recession and was able to slow that a little bit, but it still is still shrinking compared mm-hmm. to the state, which is growing in a in a kind of sluggish manner. So and not as much as, as Cincinnati is growing. So those are comparisons that he would like you to focus on going into the election. I think Nan Whaley would prefer you to focus on the way she has responded to crisis in the city from the tornadoes to a KKK affiliate um, rally in the city to most notably this mass shooting in Dayton's Oregon district. Weren't those like all in one year too? It, it was hit, a rough year. The hits really just kept, kept coming for Dayton. And so she would argue that, you know, Dayton had this bigger hole to to pull itself out of. And it's unfair to compare the two cities in that way. Cranley would say leadership matters and, you know, you should be looking at our records. And if 
Nan Whaley becomes the nominee, she will be the first major party, uh, a woman, to win the nomination. That's right. Correct. Ohio has actually only had one female governor, and she served for fewer than two weeks, um, just uh, appointed after the former governor left. So we've never elected a woman for governor. We've never elected a woman for U.S. Senate. Yeah. And so and we've the state has actually not nominated one for a major party ticket. So it would be it would be a first. And our third topic is the races for state House and Senate and why those 132 elections are not happening. It's a one word answer. Uh, redistricting. Jesse's favorite topic of all time. The Ohio State Supreme Court has struck down four different sets of legislative maps as unconstitutional, so there were literally no districts for candidates to run in by the time the May primary rolled around. It's looking like the earliest we may get to pick who we want to represent us in Columbus will be August? Yeah, I think August 2nd is the most likely date that we're going to hold those legislative primaries. It's also a day that there are already a few like local elections, so it makes more sense than just some other random date on the calendar. Federal judges could be weighing in on this. The Ohio Supreme Court has asked them not to, said, hey, other states have primaries much later, so why can't Ohio? Uh, that <laughs> resulted in some pushback from the Ohio Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, and other election officials saying, you know, these states are here for a reason. We need to have these gaps to get everything going and prepare for the November election, which, you know, is not going to move. So... It's a mess. It's a costly mess. Holding two primaries is going to cost anywhere between 20 and 25 million. And that's in addition to all the other money that we're spending on redistricting. So I'm really curious to see what turnout is going to be like, especially for this election that's just the General Assembly seats. You know, I think this May 3rd primary will have a fair amount of interest, not going to be November turnout by any means, but you'll definitely get people out there for those statewide Senate and governor races. But with just like General Assembly races on the ballot in August, that's going to be probably a, a rough go for as far as turnout goes. Yeah, it's going to, it's, I mean, your state house races are absolutely 100% important, but I would not be surprised if we saw like, you know, sub 20% turnout for those in August. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, people are not used to voting in August. They have vacations, their kids are doing activities. It's just, it's not a time people think about to do that. And I also, as a person who's covered both state house and congressional redistricting, people confuse the <laughs> Ohio state house with Congress pseudo frequently. That's not to insult anyone's intelligence. It's a complicated process, but um, I think there's sometimes a lack of understanding about what state lawmakers do, which is why we try to report on them. And our fourth and final topic is one that's near and dear to my nerdy little heart, school levies. These are all the local races that are going to be unique to your specific ballot. They are actual real elections, and they're going to determine whether your police and fire, whether your local library district, whether your parks department or your school has more money. And I think you should really take the time to vote in these and to think about them. So like, School levies, you know, that if you have kids, they impact the education those kids received. And they also impact how much you pay in property taxes. But if you don't own a home and you don't have kids, you still pay those taxes when your landlord raises your rates. But I think a lot of the reasons people don't vote in these local elections is they don't feel like they really understand the issue. Well, 
I'm here to tell you a little secret that local leaders like your school board members and your parks departments and stuff, they're way more responsive than like your member of Congress. Like I would bet good money that they will call you back and answer your questions. I'd also encourage you to kind of just ask yourself, like, what are they going to do with the money? How often do they come back for more money? How fast is the district growing? Like I once looked into a parks department who was asking voters for like a small amount, a couple bucks a month, and who doesn't want more parks and trails and recreational lakes, but it was going to take this parks department department from like 3 million a year to like 30 million a year in its budget. It was like just a massive increase, which raised questions for me about like, are they ready to handle such a massive expansion of what they're doing? Anyways, I'm going to get off my soapbox unless you guys have soapboxy local election reasons. I would, I would just add that, you know, if, if you're not sure what's going to be on your ballot on May 3rd, particularly as it relates to these local questions, or you want to know more about the local question that's going to be on our on your ballot, you can check out your our voter guides online. You can also, um, you know, go to your local boards of election and get a sample ballot just so you have a better idea of what you're going to be voting on. And just one other race I would point out, there's the GOP primary for Ohio Secretary of State between Frank LaRose, who's the incumbent, and John Adams. I think odds are good that Frank LaRose is going to win that re-election bid, but totally just, fair. just uh, be aware that it's on your ballot if you are a Republican. And one more thing before you go. We've got voter guides. Yes, we do. We've got voter guides to share with you. You can find out all about your local issues and your statewide candidates by going to the website of any of our Gannett, Ohio papers. So let us help you make smart choices on election day. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered this week, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like portclintonnewsherald.com. 